And we're back with another episode of the Daily Stakes Podcast. I'm your host, Massimo Richo. I'm here with the NBA Oracle, Nick, and our NFL GOAT, Dylan. Um, episode 14, guys. It's getting interesting. Got ourselves uh, rolling into the divisional round matchups. Uh, the NBA season's almost at the halfway mark with the uh, NBA All-Star game looming uh, around the corner. Um, so let's get right into it. Uh, this week, we're kind of changing it up because of the lack of NFL games now as teams are slowly getting knocked out. We're still keeping the usual winners and losers. Um, we're going to keep rolling with um, the usual NBA segment and the prop me up. But moving forward now, we're just covering all NFL divisional games for you guys. It's going to get interesting. And as we slowly work our way towards the Super Bowl, um, we're going to have some fun with it. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, we got the uh, winners and losers. Uh, from last week, uh, a lot of big blowout games. I mean, people can argue that adding those extra teams into the NFL playoffs. I mean, how many how many of you actually finished watching some of those games? Like, I, I didn't even sit through the entirety of the Eagles game um, against the Bucks, yeah. the like Chiefs against. Yeah, like the 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 only one I really sat down and watched till the end was just the Bills against the Pats because it was just fun to watch the Pats get absolutely hammered. But like Kansas City, like Kansas City Steelers, not so much. Like it got boring too. Like you had Big Ben trying to get something going, and you clearly saw the Steelers were outmatched. But Dylan, I know one game you definitely sat through the uh, Monday Nighter <laughs> with your uh, your Rams just absolutely coming out gunning against the Cardinals. Yeah, the only people that watched those blow up games till the end were the people that had same game parlays. <laughs> yeah. Go watching and still want to get the final couple like there. Uh, but yeah, the Rams absolutely took care of business. No surprise there. Um, you know, my pick was the Rams on the money line. Uh, we had, Matt, both you and I had the, our upset of the week, which was the 49ers. 49ers won. So for NFL, our bets were on point last week. When it comes to playoff time, you want to listen to us because we're, we're going to hit the, the nail in the coffin and there's some nice bets. Uh, for this week that I got lined up and mass, I'm sure you do uh, as well uh, for our viewers that, uh, you know, they're going to be profitable here. Yeah, no, for sure. Like we'll, we'll just recap what we had from last episode in in this one. So our winning bets that we had for our picks was the under on the Bengals and Raiders game. It was a points total of 48 and a half. The game went under. Um, we had the under on the 49ers and Dallas Cowboys and we had San Fran to win. Um, and we had the Rams to win straight up. The only two that didn't come through as much as we would have liked to have seen a bit more of a competitive game out of those two teams, um, the Eagles uh, as, uh, against the spread and the Patriots against the spread, they weren't even remotely close. But uh, look, it is what it is. Uh, on the player prop side, so yeah, it was just... So it was just really bad to bro the cowboys i i have a bunch of friends that are cowboys fans i was texting oh they they've gone quiet man yeah, i've yeah. checked in just to make yeah, sure they're okay yeah, what talks me the most so i mean uh but no surprise there both mass you both called it but like the 49ers are in a great spot to pull the upset here all, all favorites won last week all favorites yeah. won on the spread too yeah, yeah all, they all covered all, all cover the spread uh, all favorites won except for the Cowboys, and you know, you you you, you love to see it. Uh, you love to yeah, see you that. love to. They do it to themselves that yeah, fan base. You know what I mean? Like you can't get behind them. And um, what a way to go out too, by the way, huh? 
last yeah. bit of the game, Dak comes out running. He posted a tweet that today apologizing, taking some accountability. But, you no, know... But- uh, that's not even his fault. Like, which offensive coordinator calls a QB draw with 14 seconds left in the game and no timeouts? Yeah, terrible, terrible play call there. But uh, enough of the Cowboys are out of the way. Uh, so uh, it's all good. All said exactly. and done. It's all good. It's all good. Um, what, what shocks me the most, actually, is how Dak, Dak Prescott is the highest, fourth highest paid player in all sports. Like, he's not even the fourth well, highest paid player in the NFL. He's the fourth highest played player in comparison to Tiger Woods. It doesn't work that way, though. There, there's a, the thing is that it's more the organization he's playing for when he bought it. So if, like, if I go back to the Chicago Bulls back when they had their incredible run, um, Scotty Pippen was arguably top three player in the league. He was probably the second best player in the league. He was the 122nd highest paid NBA player in the league at that time. He was massively underpaid. It's a function of when he signed his contract, the amount of security he took in, and what they got him in for. So when they initially signed him, the Chicago Bulls, back in, I believe, 88, they signed him for a seven-year, $18 million contract. Seven years, $18 million. The guy, he was, you know, the most undervalued Robin to to Michael Jordan's, you know, being the Batman. Yeah. The thing about that is that he he plays for the most valuable franchise in the league. Like Dallas Cowboys, the NFL right. is one of the biggest, you know, money sports, uh, money leagues. There is to play for, and he signed in as the quarterback. You know, <laughs> as much as people like kind of use that against him, it's very different when you look at it from a business standpoint, uh, where it's not that surprising. And you know, there it, it's happened, and you see it in the NBA, right? The Scottie Pippen analogy I just gave you. One hundred percent. He could have easily been paid number one type money anywhere else in the league. The way he was playing to Michael Jordan with Michael Jordan, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You should have gotten ten times the amount that you got paid in that contract, about ten times. And then even uh, in the ninety-seven or ninety-six, ninety-seven uh, run when, when they had the final run, um, he purposely delayed getting a getting a rehab on his uh, on his ankle. Instead of taking it in the summer, he's like, fuck it, I want to have my summer off. And I'm going to get rehab after summer. So the first three months, he didn't, get, he didn't play at all because he wanted to kind of, you know, just try to get some sort of justification for his salary. So it's going to happen. Look, it wasn't Dak's fault. Um, no, that's at the end of tough. The, day, the 49ers came up with a solid game plan, and they had a great team ahead of them. So, uh, you know, the cards, you know, Tough, tough cards uh, to fall for the uh, yeah the Cowboys. And, this is funny. Out of all teams, though, what happens to them is just it's like yeah, the yeah, that's why it's the best. You know, you yeah, it, yeah. This, shit, this, this, is shit, this is the shit that gets me hard is watching Cowboys fans going from like zero to a hundred during the regular season, like oh we're gonna fucking go all the way, and then it comes to the first round of the playoffs, and you're just watching them just go real quiet, like. Uh, I had FaceTimed my cousin's a huge Cowboys fan. I had FaceTimed them right after that Debo Samuel rushing touchdown because I was like buzzing because I had called that one last episode. We'll we'll get into the player prop winners and losers uh, after this, but I FaceTimed him and he answered me, but like he was like not having it. I'm like, yo, like because I even had told him the Monday. I'm like, I have Debo, uh, not the Monday. I had gone over for Saturday, uh, Saturday night, and I told him like, yo, I got Debo Samuel getting over rushing yards and a rushing touchdown on your Cowboys. He's like, yeah, no, you don't know what you're talking about. So I FaceTimed him oh, after sorry. that play. That was the best feeling that's in the world. Um, 
so let's go finish off the recap here too um with our player props um uh, combined not so hot i mean uh we had uh you had joe oh, mixon they, on... they, they put us down this way it's okay even the nba oracle he gets it wrong sometimes yeah he brought a we would have had a good we would have been five and two if it wasn't for nick going oh and two all time yeah it's it's oh it's it's the name of the game. Um, it happens sometimes, you know. It just it is what it is. But uh, it <laughs> so you should just feed me at this point. Don't listen to what I say. Just like whenever so I, I, Trent, uh, Trent's category, you know, Trent's idea, the book sports guy. Yeah, yeah, book it, book it with Trent. Do the exact right, opposite, like him. Right there. Exactly. Right there. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll create a TikTok account, maybe a couple months, and just start copying him and doing it with him. Yeah. You don't even have to copy him. Just you know, say you're the place that you think we're gonna hit. And then, <laughs> and then we all, bet, yeah, we all bet. We all, all bet against it. It was hilarious because I remember speaking of which, he had said he had the Kansas City defense scoring the first touchdown of that Pittsburgh Steelers Chiefs game, and then it was the Steelers defense that got the the, the fumble recovery for a touchdown. Yeah, that's fine. Like the exact opposite. It was hilarious. You can't, um, you can't make that up. No, you can't make that up. Um, so for the player props, I mean, Dylan. You, you you were good though. You had Joe Mixon over the rushing yards. He had himself a day. He unfortunately couldn't find the the end zone there. Uh, we had Joe Burrow under 270 and a half passing yards. My absolute dart throw with confidence was the Debo Samuel over the rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Tyreek Hill receiving touchdown, and then Nick your uh, Jalen Brown double double and Janice over 30 and a half points didn't really pan out. But uh, I feel like this week it's going to be a different week. We're going to get that record up there, boys. New week, um, new me. New week, yeah, that's it. Every week's new, but I'm going to keep to, I'm gonna keep track. Uh, we've been all season, like, I've looked back at our historics. Like, a lot of our player props have, have hit really – we've been pretty pretty good with our player props. Even in general, when it comes to the games, like, our record's up there. I'm going to probably do, like, an end-of-year kind of roundup once everything's said and done just to kind of see how we did over the course of so many episodes. But uh, – we're we're pretty good guys. Like I'm not gonna not gonna say otherwise. So uh, let's get into some uh, some trends here, uh, Dylan. We already covered guys getting the spread. Uh, every team that won outright covered the spread, um, the favorites, but the Cowboys. Um, the interesting trend here that I found while trying to look for NFL betting trends and just trends in general for divisional rounds, um, and the NFL playoffs is that teams that considering how many blowouts we saw last week. Um, in 10 of the biggest blowouts in the NFL playoff history, the team that ran up the score um, the next game is a combined three and seven. So we got what? The Bucks, the Chiefs, the Bills, and we have the Rams. Uh It's going to be a very interesting week to kind of follow to see because these guys kind of really came out gunning. I mean, I don't want to say the Rams ran up the score. They kind of just had fun with it. You had Odell Beckham kind of throwing... Uh, that deep bomb for 40-ish yards. But the teams to kind of... Yeah, it was really fun to watch. Um, The teams to kind of watch are more the Bucks, the Bills, and the Chiefs because they did come out with the bigger blowouts. Um, And then the only other fun fact I got is uh, the three three of the four remaining NFC team coaches um, have all ties back to 2013 with the then Washington Redskins, uh, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean McVay, the three of the four coaches in the NFC right now left standing 
were all coaching part of the coaching staff in the 20 in 2013. Lafleur was QB coach. Uh, Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, and Sean McVay was a tight ends coach, which is kind of wild considering how uh, Tyler Higby's been kind of uh, hit or miss this year for the Rams. But uh, I mean, it was just interesting stuff to kind of see. Um, so before we get into the um, the segment for the NBA with our Oracle, we threw out a couple questions. We we threw out uh, on social media a couple people asking people a couple questions um, or their hot takes. Um, so we got the first one uh, from uh, more so hot takes and more so for next year. Um, we got Chris who said Falcons Super Bowl next year. Take the bet. Very yeah, yeah. Bro, get lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got we got one uh, our friend Joe who sees the Bengals going all the way to the Super Bowl. I like that one. I mean, look, they're a young team. They're going to be playing pretty aggressively, so I'm really not worried there. Um, and then I got uh, one NBA question for Nick: um, Who's winning uh, the MVP? Who do you think is going to win the MVP this year for the NBA? That's a, that's, a, that's a loaded question. Um, you got a lot of front runners, honestly, just based on the performance of their teams. It's in between Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Uh, but Kevin, Dur- oh, if Jimmy Butler wasn't injured, I think he'd be in the race as well. Uh, but KD just got injured for three to four weeks, and we all saw what Steph Curry has been doing with Golden State Warriors. I mean, up until the return of Clay Thompson, um, the, the Warriors had the best record in the NBA, and now they got back their their, their second sharpshooter, their splash brother. Honestly, it's I would say it's Steph Curry. Yeah, and then we got one from Twitter from uh, from uh, our boy Patty Parlays. Um, he wants to know Nick which contender needs to make a move at the deadline to make a championship run, and which team that is having a disappointing season needs to sell and rebuild. Those are some good questions. Uh, Yo, he's been he's been good, Patty. I got a hot take. One more hot take. Uh, after for the NFL, but like this, this two part is really interesting because I'm really curious to know what you think. Well, I would I would say the team that needs to kind of break down and sell is just given their recent performance that they had in the NBA. I would say the Atlanta Hawks. Um, going into the season, they had a bunch of momentum just given what they did in the playoffs last year, but they're actually trending at a below point five hundred record. So they're they're losing games. They're even with a healthy roster, they're losing games. They're kind of getting blown out. Um, and they haven't been really been consistent for the beginning of the year. Now, there's been some discomfort on social media with John Collins not happy with his role. Uh, Danilo Gallinari is not playing as much. Um, and just the level of talent that they have on the team, to given what the record is and what they've been, how they've been playing, I don't think it's it merits any any high reputation or to be bullish on the Hawks. So I would say the Hawks would should look to rebuild because obviously you have the, all these other bottom feeder teams like the Kings and the Magic and and the Indiana Pacers that everybody knows you have to rebuild. Uh, I mean, what about the yeah. what about the Trailblazers? Because that's another team that I feel like. Yeah, but these are all bottom feeder teams. Like uh, the the Atlanta Hawks were a team that everyone, well, at least personally, I anticipated we're going to do do well this season. We're going to be in the playoff spot, at least in the eighth or higher position in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but like the other teams, like like the, the Port of Trailblazers, they need to definitely rebuild. They've actually been winning some games lately without Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum not playing as much. So they're kind of picking it up without Lillard. So it shows that they could kind of compete without that leader. Maybe they may make a move during the off uh, during the before the trade deadline, or they'll make a move during the offseason over the course of the summer. 
um, to kind of beef up their roster because this year season, let's be honest, is pretty much done for them. Uh, they're not yeah. going. And then, so let's just go back to their first part there. What, which team do you think is just one move away from really being able to make a deep run, like a team that you could see as a a contender and as maybe the just that one one piece away? Philadelphia 76ers. They Joel Embiid is having his MVP season. He has been putting up points like no tomorrow. Um, I think he's trending at over 29 and a half points. He's, I think he's, I sh- he should be like maybe 11 for two or 12 for two um, over the last 12 games. He is an absolute fucking fireball to deal with. No team can contain him. He went off against the Magic tonight for 50 points. Imagine a center going off against you for 50 points against the Magic. Yeah. Like Mo Bamba, a team that's like gritty and witty in the way that they play like bully ball because they're the Magic. Um, and Joel Embiid goes off for 50 piece. I mean, get rid of Ben Simmons. You get rid of Tobias Harris. Those are two teams that didn't fit well within the organization. You make a trade. Someone that, I guess, uh, complements Seth Curry and Joel Embiid. And then you just add someone on the ball that's a little more dynamic. Because you're seeing some of these bench players from last year, like uh, Tybal and Maxi. I mean, they're coming into their own, and they're kind of – some of these players are putting up triple doubles. They're putting up points, uh, and they're and they're they're just taking the oppor- advantage of the opportunity. Um, so I would say the 76ers are kind of a trade away. And just given the current – um, roster with the with the news around Simmons and Tobias Harris, I think they're looking to make a splash. You think they they package the two of them since Ben Simmons in general, like everyone's been trying to kind of like avoiding him. Do you think you package Tobias Harris with Ben Simmons and try to offload both in one deal? Maybe that that's the goal. But then I don't think they, they've been trying. They actually, I think a, a trade just fell through with the Kings, where it was yeah. Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris for like uh, Holly Burton, and I think was it Holmes or Barnes or or Buddy Heald. One of the one of the two, and they fell through. I don't think anybody wants to buy his Harris and Ben Simmons just because you saw what what they did in in the 76ers. Yeah, just, I don't think they're two teams that you want to lead your company because the Bias Harris is a best right now, a third or fourth man, and Ben Simmons is not the man that's going to bring your team to the NBA Finals. So no, it's kind not of at all. Deal. But if they can unload those two, the 76ers are going to be a team to to you can't fuck with. For sure, um, and then. One more for the football side yeah, of things. Pat, right. Pat. Hey, uh, I like Giannis to, to win MVP. I'm going to yeah? uh, take a wild uh, wild card bet here. Say Giannis for MVP because I saw him handle the Golden State Warriors, that matchup. And uh, Nick had mentioned it. The, you know, he does make good points once in a while. And he said, uh, he said, uh, you know, Yanis steps up when uh, when it's time to play the big boys. So Yanis is right behind Steph Curry in the odds lines uh, at plus three hundred, and I really see him sneaking up. And when it's time to time to roll, Yanis is, I think, the best player in the league um, to, to, uh, to play right now. Who's playing the best overall player? I think Yanis is probably one of the best players. I don't know as much much NBA as you guys, but. It's just a bit of a hot take, given I don't know that much NBA. It's not that much of a hot take because Giannis is, you know, one of the top players, but it's my hot take since I don't have much knowledge. And uh, I just placed a little bet while you guys were talking. Uh, $5 to win 20 So, literally did what he said at the beginning. Nick says a bet, take the next best option. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, fade Nick and take the next best, best option. So, it's a good strategy. It works, you know, 90% of the time. 
we'll see. Uh, I put put five bucks maybe to track it to see if it's uh, yeah. But I mean, Giannis, uh, they played what maybe thirty-five games in the season. Now his team's healthy, and they're gonna make a push for them. Exactly. He's, right there. He's right there. So the second half, just uh, I'm scared for the other teams. They're gonna get fucked. No one knows what's coming. The Bucks, yeah. they're fully healthy right now. So we'll go with uh, one more for the NBA side of things. Um, Again, Patty Parlays, but this one, this one's kind of funny considering he came in super hot last week with his hot take. For the NFL, uh, yeah, for the NFL, yeah, yeah. So we we're going back to the NFL here. Um, so he says after my fire take last week, which last week he said all underdogs were gonna win. Um, he only got the 49ers right. Um, I'm going to take it easy this week. Every favorite will win and cover this week, except for the Bills. He thinks they will beat the Chiefs. Aye. Or you should have bet the favorites this week. We got a couple of underdogs lined up. I know I got one underdog lined up. So before placing that parlay, Patty parlays, you gotta you gotta listen in on some of our bets here. Um, if you want to win for the money, but I think it's a it's a week for the underdogs um, in some ways. I guess we'll we'll break it down in uh, some of these uh, some of these matchup breakdowns. So I'll talk yeah. about, but it's a nice take. It's a take. In some ways, it's a conservative hot take, but should have uh, should have done that last week. <laughs> it's all good. It's no, but it's good. It's good for the. It's good to have people talking. I mean, look, he, sure, he's, sure. he's 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 yeah. fun. He's fun to interact with. Uh, yeah, we're have him on uh, one of these weeks. Uh, that will, oh, uh, for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna fire one off to him. We'll get him in right before the. Uh, the the Super Bowl. Maybe we could have some fun with some like one of those random like the random prop bets and. Yeah. The other stuff that comes with the uh, the NFL uh, Super Bowl. So, um, so that's that that's it for uh, our first segment, and we got all everyone's questions in. Uh, Nick, what do you got for us this week? NBA article. Oh, I got you guys a, a little treat. Uh, we're gonna talk about the total trends. What days are riding with the overs? What days are riding with the unders? And then we're gonna go into a bit of against the spread. It's not gonna be too long of a segment. I'm just going to cover the top five teams um, against the spread and those. So five and zero against the spread or how they were in the last five games for both the top teams and the bottom teams. And I'll tell you what, if you want to continue to fade them or not to fade them, I think that's the most relevant when it comes to betting. So first things first, I mean, the over-unders we're, we're currently now in what the week 13 of the NBA, about 30 to 35 games have passed. We're starting to see teams come in kind of into form, what teams are obviously going to be in the upper 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 echelon of like the Eastern Conference, and then the, and then the upper echelon of the Western Conference? You're seeing these kind of top level teams struggle, like the Utah Jazz, which is kind of impressive. Milwaukee Bucks struggling at the beginning of the season due to all their injuries. Um, Dallas Mavericks nowhere to be seen. Then you're kind of seeing like the outbreak teams, like the Memphis Grizzlies, um, the Chicago Bulls, the Brooklyn Nets are kind of sticking up there. Um, so everything's going well, but in terms of the over unders, we last week we went twenty five and twenty five, so we hit at a fifty percent clip, and this brings the season to date over under record to three hundred and thirteen, three hundred and twenty eight and four, which means unders, well overs are actually hitting at forty eight point eight percent, and that's kind of a little lower than what it was at the beginning. We were trending before last time at maybe fifty three, fifty four percent at the beginning. Of the year, so it's kind of interesting. This is one thing I do want to bring to your attention is interesting observation is Saturdays are all for overs for the NBA. 
Overs have gone 51 and 44 this season, so hitting at a 53.7%. And I believe it's all the Saturday evening games. So any game, any NBA game that you want to bet on a Saturday in the evening after the afternoon, so let's say 7 p.m. and later, you should look to take the over. It's a trend that's been hitting. It's a trend that's been more profitable than 50%, and it's something you should look at. On the other hand, totals have actually gone under on Wednesdays, hitting at a 54.9% clip. And Wednesdays... Sorry? Yeah, yeah, but it kind of gives you a little bit of a trend. Um, You notice, like, if you look at the NBA games tonight, I was looking at them earlier, a lot of them are stuck coming in on the under. Regardless of uh, how many players kind of are somewhat in form, we're seeing kind of these low, low-scoring low games at times. But I actually scratched that as I'm talking to you. I'm looking at the records, and tonight it looks like it blew way over the over on all the NBA games. So that trend is kind of is – not, is not really impactful tonight. But I guess next Wednesday you should look towards the under. Um, key recent – I would say recent over trends for teams that you do want to bet on and recent under trends for teams that are, are kind of trending in that direction. We have the Houston Rockets. They're actually 14 and 3 on the over in their last 17 games. And seven and one in the over in the last home eight home games. So the Houston Rockets is the type of team that has a good solid starting lineup of five people, um, and then kind of the rotation players are decent, but they can't play defense. The only advantage of the Rockets is that they put up a lot of points because they have they have a bunch of ballers, but the ballers can't come together as a team to kind of win games. All they could do is just put up points, um, and in return they give up a lot of points. So that's why the over has been a lot with them. Um, the Dallas Mavericks are 9-1 on the under in the last 10 games and 11-1 on the under in the last 12 home games. The Dallas Mavericks are kind of one of the teams and one of Dylan's favorite teams too, but they fucking play so slow. The defense is their main priority, and the ball usually runs through Luka Doncic. And because of that, I think he takes an average of maybe 20 seconds of play to kind of create a play and kind of get the the, the formation set on the opposing on the opposing court. So... It has a lot of impact on the under on those games. So um, that that's it for the over-unders. Now, from a betting perspective, I mean, everybody always wants to know, like, what te- I always have my boys calling me, like, what team am I betting against the spread tonight? Or, like, what game are you looking at? Uh, what makes sense? What doesn't make sense? So essentially what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover the last five teams that have been hitting um, a pretty profitable over 50% against the spread record and the bottom five teams that have been hitting less than – Six less than 50%, or actually at a negative 60%, so to speak. They're in a, in a loss, they've been terrible against the spread, um, and see what they are going forward. So, Oklahoma City Thunder actually is the first NBA team that is 4 0 and 1, and the one here is a push against the spread over the last five games. Now, that's that's pretty impressive because Oklahoma City is they're the fully healthy, they have their starting five, they have Shy Alexander playing, they have Luke and Dortz playing, but. I mean, at the end of the day, they're the Thunder. And there's a reason why they traded they traded away Westbrook so they could rebuild the Thunder. But they're just cover kings against the spread. So I do see a lot of... The thing is, with this team, I would maybe shy away a little bit from that because maybe the bookmakers may have adjusted a little bit of the lines because a team like the Thunder come in at plus digital, uh, double-digit spreads and as underdogs. So it kind of gives us an advantage to kind of tail into the fourth quarter. But just given the recency bias, I, I would say maybe the books will adjust those lines to maybe plus nine, plus eight, causing us to lose near the end. So I would I would stay away from the Thunder on the spread. Next, um, you got the Memphis Grizzlies. 
that are four and one against the spread over the last five games. They just lost tonight to the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's because the Milwaukee Bucks are as hot as they could be at the moment. That you got back Drew Holiday, but if there's a team that you want to bet on in the Western Conference and you want to start making fucking money on them, then you ride Memphis Grizzlies until they go on like an zero and three or zero and four losing streak. Hottest Western Conference, fourth in the Western Conference. They're beating top tier teams except for the Milwaukee Bucks, and this is a team you want to continue to ride. Um. The team that follows it right underneath, Charlotte Hornets Miami, and Miami Heat. And these guys come in at the same record, 4-1, four and one, four wins, one loss against the spread. Uh, a lot of these teams, both the Heat and the Hornets, just given the current form. The Hornets are coming at underdogs for some reason against better teams. Like, for instance, they came in against a low, a low underdogs against the Celtics tonight, and the Celtics are absolute trash this season. And they ended up beating them by more than 10 points. Um, the Hornets are playing at levels that no other Hornet team you've seen in the past NBA season has ever played before. And that's because Miles Bridges, LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, these guys are all stepping up and they're all performing. Everyone's doing their job. And it's not like a flashy team like the Lakers. Then Miami Heat, uh, Jimmy Butler returned. The general returned to the court. So he's kind of managing the forces on the Heat. And he's kind of directing how the game is played, how the Heat are playing. And because of that, his presence on the court has actually led to much needed success for the Heat. And on top of it, Bam Adebayo just came back too. So we're seeing that the Heat are getting healthy again. Uh, we're seeing that there's been more consistency in their form. More of the usual players are coming back to the team. And uh, just ride the Heat right now. So take the Grizzlies on the spread. Take the Hornets on the spread. And take the Miami Heat on the spread. And rather than covering the, last, the bottom five teams, because I think I'm talking a little too much, I'm just going to say... The Milwaukee Bucks came in in the last week one and five, one and four against the spread. Okay, and that's because Drew Holiday wasn't playing. Now you got Grayson Allen, you got Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. The whole team is healthy, with the exception of Brook Lopez. This is the time right now, right before the All Star season, where the Milwaukee Bucks are going to go on a winning streak, and they're going to start blowing out teams, just so majority of the Bucks can make it on the All Star game. Fucking hammer the Bucks against the spread. There's no way they're not going to cover right now. And, and that goes with Dylan's point as if you want Giannis to win MVP, then the only way for Giannis to win MVP is for the Bucks to go on a win streak and to dominate teams. And the time is right now. So. I like it a lot. Let's, uh, let's, let's keep track of that. Uh, yeah. Another thing I just wanted to add. To Nick's uh, point, you know, you said the Dallas plays really slow. A lot of it has to do with Luka kind of taking time off the clock. Um, so I t- took a look, and uh, an interesting trend to, to bet on here is the under has gone nine and one over the past ten games for the Dallas Mavericks, and eleven and one in their past twelve. Yeah, it's crazy. So betting on the under for the Dallas map when that you know. In the Dallas Mavericks game could be a profitable trend to follow. I'll be following it for the next week out of curiosity. But you know, nine and one unders over the past ten games and eleven and one over the past twelve home games is a pretty are two pretty solid trends to back the under on top of what. Yeah, and if you look at it right now, uh, it's the fourth quarter, two minutes left. The total was set at two hundred six, and it's ninety five ninety three for the Mavericks. It's, it's fucking, oh, and they're and they're playing at home against the Raptors. 
So just imagine. So make that make that twelve and yeah. one over there. Unless it goes to overtime. So, yeah. 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 No, I like it a lot, guys. We're gonna keep. I want to keep track of the maps. Obviously, it's it's been interesting. Um. So we'll move on to the AFC, the first of the two AFC divisional round matchups. Uh, Dylan, you're covering our favorite roller coaster again. Uh, we got the Bengals at the Titans. Um, the Saturday night game. So uh, break it down for us, bud. Yeah, biggest roller coaster of them all. Bengals playing the Titans. Now, what frustrates me a little bit is that I was high on the Bengals all season long. All season long, I was like, I stuck it through with them through thick and thin. I was like, you know, the Bengals are going to do great. They have a flat game. Then they could come out exploding. Now what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a lot of casuals kind of jump on the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase bandwagon. Not that I have any heat against them. It's fine. It's natural. It's normal. You know, you have some flashy young guns kind of, uh, you know, doing some damage against, uh, you know, solid teams, especially in the playoffs. But uh, I just wanted to throw that out there, man. I was there <laughs> from the start. And uh, last week is where where that roller coaster, I really wasn't sure if that roller coaster was going to fall apart or not, at least against the spread, not in terms of winning. So I had them on the over-under. I picked them under, and that cash with, uh, you know, not with ease per se, but it did cash. Uh, and on the flip side of things, the Bengals absolutely blew apart uh, the Raiders, right? So for this week's matchup, it's a lot tough, you know, significantly tougher challenge that the Bengals will take. They're playing in Tennessee. Um, the line opened at minus two and a half in favor of the Titans, which is no surprise, and has since moved to minus three and a half for the Titans with 60% of the public and 85% of the money flowing into the Titans. So a lot of, you know, a lot of the public and a lot of the money is, you know, on the Titans side in this matchup as of now. Uh, a big question that a lot of, you know, betters ask is, does bye week create some sort of rust? Or is that going to be a hindrance to the Titans or is that going to be beneficial to the Titans? Now, when it comes to bye weeks in the playoffs, it, it really depends on the situation. In some cases it helps, in some cases it doesn't. But in this case, for the Titans, it's definitely a great spot for them to have a bye week. Um, they've had a few little lingering injuries. Uh, so that bye week gives them time to rest and recover, uh, especially on the offensive side of things. And the key player here is Derek Henry, right? King Henry is back. King yep. Henry is back. So you know, that's, that's dangerous stuff right there uh, with King Henry back in the mix uh, of things just in time. Um, you also have A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, they haven't played a lot this season, right? They've been on and off, but the last four to five weeks, they've finally been able to play together. Chemistry is so important. And that's where they had a nice big run to go 12 and five into the season. Uh, in the meantime, while A.J. Brown and Julio Jones were out, they found a third piece in Nick Westbrook. So now they have three good wide receivers that can make catches for Tennessee. King Henry is back. They're on a bye week. And an interesting trend here is Betting markets like teams that come off of a bye week uh, when it comes to playoffs. The record since 1988 has been 100 wins and 34 losses, straight up. So the team coming off of a bye week in the playoffs has won 100 times and lost 34 times. They've been 71 and 59 against the spread. It's a large sample size. It goes back to 1988. So 
the trends really support the team that's coming off of a bye week here. Um, that helps a lot. Now, you know, the Bengals have their weapons in themselves, and it's no surprise at this point, the connection between Jamar Chase and uh, Joe Burrow is for real. You know, the rookie of the year may very well go to, to Jamar Chase at this point. Um, they have a solid running back in Joe Mixon, but here's where the problem lies. Um, the, the most improved thing for the Titans has been the ability to pressure the QB and their D-line. Uh, so, uh, sorry, yeah, their D-line. So, uh, Joe Mixon could be neutralized in this one. Uh, there's a good chance that Joe Mixon won't be used quite a lot. Um, and the Bengals' pass protection is is solid, too. Their pass protection and their run offense. So, what it's going to come down to is the defense. Now, as I alluded to before, a lot of the mark money and markets moving towards the Titans. The line moved from minus 2.5 to minus 3.5. As little as that sounds, one point, it's significant when it comes to the NFL because you have to win by over a field goal here. So my bet recommendation here is going to be because I think since he can, can pull a backdoor cover and keep it very close, even win the game here, I'm not going to take the Bengals uh, against the spread uh, or on the money line here, but I'm going to take a first half line here. I'm going to take the first half Minus two and a half point spread for the Titans. So the Titans to, to be up by a field goal by the end of halftime at a minus 120 line. That's going to be my recommendation. The Bengals can very well come out firing and be aggressive, you know, um, with little to lose. The Titans are the favorites here. But I think the Titans got, you know, their pieces in order just at the right time. Um, and a couple of big. Uh, winning points or their pass protection and their run offense. <laughs> That's really going to help them a lot. So I, I got the Bengals first half point spread at a minus two and a half line. Uh, I'm liking I'm, uh, Titans, sorry, the, yeah. Titans, the Titans first half. I, I'm liking it. Yeah. In terms of yeah, no, no, I, I'm sorry, liking it a lot. Um, and also I had seen a stat somewhere about uh, Cincinnati – um, and how they and their record on the road in the playoffs, and it's not very good either. I don't think they they haven't won a a road playoff game in like God knows how long. I know it's their first time back in the playoffs since '93, but even before that, their their record in the playoffs while on the road hasn't been very good. So Joe Burrow's got a lot a lot on his hands, and I think they had they played each other this year at some point. I think so. Um, that that awesome. Even if they did, the Titans were in in, in exactly. had so many moving pieces throughout the season. No, no, for sure. I, I remember them giving Joe Burrow a hard time in the pocket, so it's going to be a lot of getting keeping yeah. Joe Burrow standing to get those throws done downfield. He's also the highest. He's also the highest IQ in the league uh, during the season. So, yeah, look, Joe Burrow and and company can can very well pull it off. But you can really see where the betting market's heading towards, and it's on the Titans' side. I think that's a smart play to do. Uh, given the lines move to minus three and a half, I would avoid it, and I would take the by Titans to really cover and be up by a field goal by half time. And then Joe Burrow can these these guys can really come out firing in the second half and just throw to Jamar Chase and do wild things because they have Joe Burrow, and they have T Higgins and Tyler Boyd too, so they have weapons, and I can really very well see. The Bengals winning in 
the second half just pulling a miracle. But I'm not, I'm not playing with full time spread here. I'm going to take them at half uh, and the Titans to be up. Derek Henry's back. We don't know if he's going to be at 100. percent but uh, if he's in the it's, lineup, it's scary. It's yeah, scary. the way That's he's been he playing up until he got hurt too. I mean, this guy was running away with it in terms of rushing yards all season. So if he comes back and he's still effective, I mean, it's going to be a very, very long, long day for uh, the Bengals uh, out in uh, Nashville. Um, so then we'll move. So basically to cap it off, you got the, the Titans to cover by minus two and a half by halftime. First half. First half. Yeah. First half. All right, yeah. we're gonna move on to the second AFC divisional round matchup. This one is gonna be exciting. Ooh. I would like, I like to think it would be exciting. It's not the first time these guys have met in the playoffs. Um, last year, um, jo- they met last year in the AFC Championship, and the Chiefs won thirty-eight to twenty-four. Uh, it was also a very exciting game. I had to bring. I could have look. I had to look at the stats for how Mahomes and uh, Allen did, but. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks who are on absolute fire, I mean, we all watched what the, the Bills did to the Patriots uh, last week. It, it wasn't even fair. And Josh Allen, uh, really wild stat, hasn't been sacked in two full games. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, people are having – but, I mean, it makes sense. Like, even if they could kind of get to him, like, we saw some plays against the Patriots. This guy can run downfield. He's an absolute unit. He can – He's not just—he's not just using his legs. Like here's the difference that I've noticed between Patrick Mahomes and and Josh Allen. Mahomes uses his legs because Mahomes, in his own right, is a very mobile quarterback. Uh, Mahomes uses his legs to kind of extend the play so he can still get a pass downfield. Josh Allen, the minute he sees that he can't get a pass downfield, this guy's just gonna take off and hurdle a couple of your defenders and get a 15, 20 yard gain on you. Like this guy can hit. He could. I've seen him truck players. So um, it's gonna be really. He's 6'5", Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he has yeah, yeah. He's, he's quick, man. He's a really, really, he's really dangerous. So the real, the real question this game is, what are the Chiefs going to do to contain Josh Allen, right? Um, so let's kind of take a look at it. Um, the opening lines here, um, we had, it was at, I'd seen the lines open with, uh, sorry, the Bills at uh, two and a half. Uh, underdogs on the spread and the Chiefs to minus two and a half. And since then, it's been moved a full point. So we're every it's at plus uh, plus one and a half and minus one and a half here. Um, the Chiefs are still obviously the favorites. The over under has been a little interesting on this one. Um, they opened the over under opened up already pretty high here at 53 and a half, uh, 53 and a half points. Um, since moved to 55. Uh, people, I'm guessing, are expecting this to really be a high-scoring game. And after last week, I mean, why wouldn't it be? Uh, these these quarterbacks have been out of their minds, and their offenses have just been really good. So um, we're just gonna. It's gonna be one of those games where we're gonna kind of have to see how the defenses kind of can contain uh, weapons on both sides of the ball. I do think the Bills do have the better defense, but then again, I've seen Patrick Mahomes play pretty well against some big defenses and the bigger task here is going to be Kansas city chiefs trying to kind of contain uh, Josh Allen, because if we've seen anything, this guy can do it all through the air on the ground. Um, It's going to be a tough one. Um, The public are very high on the chiefs, but a lot of the money um, is set on the bills here. So uh, 
64% of the bets have been placed on the Chiefs against the spread, but 80% of the money is flowing towards the Bills here um, against the spread. Yeah, everyone's really feeling the Bills here, and I don't doubt it, but like Dylan said, like you're starting to see a lot of people just kind of coming in and hitting the favorites. Oh, that's what happens. I mean... But the thing is, in this case, it's not necessarily the same because, like I said, a lot a lot of bets are placed on the Chiefs, but a large chunk of the money is on the Bills here. And I think if Josh Allen can kind of keep it up, uh, but that's his biggest problem. Like we were talking about it before we we went we went on. Josh Allen, I, I, he's never been able to consistently have two absolute banger games back to back. Like, he went for five touchdowns. Every possession that the Bills had last week, they've scored. Josh Allen threw for five TDs. That's great. That's yeah. You know, so the thing is, is that has he had repeat games like that this season? No. Or ever, really. A lot of people have been saying, like, that's his biggest issue, is that he can't string together back-to-back massive games where he plays out of his mind for two in a row. I'm liking... What's well, uh... One of the biggest uh, improvements I've seen or uh, uh, positive factors for the Bills is that last year, Stefan Diggs was overused during the season and he came into the playoffs very, you know, torn out, uh, worn out, uh, tired with a couple of uh, lingering injuries. This year, they really made sure to take care of load management with him. Well, they acquired the Emmanuel Sanders, right? So and you got out. a good number two there. Exactly. So they've been using Dawson Knox and Emmanuel Sanders, a lot of weapons, so that Stefan Diggs during the season doesn't get, you know, uh, tired when it comes to, or, you know, strained with injuries when it comes to playoffs. We really saw Stefan Diggs kind of do what he had to do, and he, he's in top shape right now. So, you know, th- that's going to help Josh Allen. I, I really think this it's a, it's a tough game to, to play, so I'll let you continue. Uh, yeah so the thing is like we were saying like even even though like josh allen can get it done on the ground the run game in in buffalo has been very good as of late also devin singletary has been great so it's going to be a bit tough for the chiefs to kind of contain all of that um i'm liking the chiefs to win outright just because look patrick mahomes has been there before he's got a super bowl ring they all travis kelsey tyreek hill They've all got Super Bowl rings. Andy Reid knows what it takes to get it done. I My biggest concern here is I just don't think Josh Allen comes out firing the way he did because it's been a concern all, all season is how he can't string together huge games back to back. So, I mean, look, guys, like I, we said at the beginning of the episode, teams are coming off massive blowouts and running up the score are three and seven the next game. Yeah. You know? I mean to say that the Kansas City Chiefs ran up the score, sure, but the, it wasn't as it was a forty-one point differential between the uh, the Bills and and the Pats. Whereas, like, okay, the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of tried to claw their way back, but they're only like maybe like 15, 18 points out from what I remember. So, I think I think the Chiefs do win straight up here. Um, but I mean, look, anything can happen. But I'm rolling with the guys who have been there before, who know what it who know what it takes to get done. I think last week was, was Buffalo Super Bowl win kind of running up the score on Bill Belichick. Who's kind of had their number um, his whole career. Uh, I think this is where the, the, the run ends for Buffalo. Um, 
So I'm gonna. I, I can see that happening as well. I can see that happening. The Chiefs are a top top tier team here. I know as much as they had their ups and downs during the season, um, they picked it up near the end. You know, I I could see the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl, but at the same time, when it comes to the full slate of games, there aren't many games, but slate of games. This is the one where my confidence level is the the least if I'm gonna place a bet against the spread and it makes sense yeah. reflected in the lines, right? It's almost a pick. So uh be, be cautious, but uh, you know the recommendation here by Mass is uh, definitely take the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, right they're at like uh, they're at minus one twenty five on the money line, and everyone here you see a shift in terms of where the like where we said on the money uh, on the against the spread you see a lot of large chunk of money on the Bills um, on the money line. Everyone seems to be rolling with the Chiefs here at fifty three percent of the bets and eighty seven percent of the money on them. So I like that one. The over-under is a bit tricky, though, because it does have the potential to be a, a very high-scoring game. But 50, 55 and a half is really, really high. It's pretty high, yeah, exactly. That's at least, like, what, four touchdowns on it? No, three touchdowns on either side. Uh, Bill's got 41 last week. Yeah, so, you know, I, that's the thing. But I'm sure the coaches are going to be prepared to kind of contain everyone's weapons here. Um, unless something happens where they really run wild, I mean, the over is a bit of a stretch. But I mean, by all means, if you guys are, if and it does have the potential to be a high scoring game, but I think the defenses are going to be well prepared for this one. I don't think it's going to be um, a runaway game unless Josh Allen really shits the bed here. But uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I just I'm going to go with the Chiefs straight up. I'm going to keep rolling. Uh, you roll with the guys who know how to get it done when it matters. And like we said, towards the end of the season, they they found their stride and they've become the Chiefs we've known to mm-hmm. to see uh, year, uh, last, like last year. So it's a scary team to kind of come up against. Um, so I'm rolling I'm rolling with the Chiefs as the straight-up favorite. Uh, take them on the money line. This, at that point, it's the same thing. The spread's so low that it's it's like essentially a pick-em. So you're better off on the money line there in terms of bang for buck. Um, so let's, Oh, it's going to be a fantastic game. Like I'm definitely like, like I said, like these, these games now, just in general, when you look at the matchups, the weak teams got weeded out. We watched them all get blown out of the water. The teams that deservedly needed to be blown out of the water, but these games, these games now are going to be like, these are the games you want to watch. These are the games that the NFL was hoping for. Um, so Since the beginning kinda, of the season, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, you know, like I mean, look, I I get what they were doing by adding more teams to the playoffs, but then when you're watching the Eagles, the Pats, the the Steelers getting absolutely clobbered, like even the Arizona Cardinals. But I mean, look, it's it's a young team. But mind you, we'll get into that later. Uh, uh, well, might as well get into it now because we're not talking Cardinals either. But uh, Cliff Kingsbury is not very good in the postseason or when it matters either. Like I saw a couple stats, like. He had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback in college when he was a college coach. And even with Pat Mahomes, his record when it mattered wasn't very good either. So I don't know what's going to happen with the Cardinals, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year. But look, that's the one game I think we were mostly surprised to see kind of not be as close as we expected it to be. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully something changes next year and like the teams that actually make the playoffs are actually playoff contending teams because I'm not <laughs> gonna sit. 
I'm not down to watch teams get blown out like it's a regular season game during the playoffs when the stakes are high. You know, it's just not fun. Just fun to home. watch. Yeah, that's it's a just not fun to watch. What you did against, like, <laughs> imagine you're just attacking this guy's record in clutch. He's like, yeah, he doesn't. He's not good when it counts. No, he's not. And I, I, I remember when I was watching a lot more college ball. I remember Cliff Kingsbury. He was a great college coach, but. When it came to to the playoffs and, and games that were really like important, he, his records wasn't very good, and you know what I mean. Like he's got two good quarterbacks. He had Pat Mahomes in college, and you got Kyler Murray now. Like there's no excuse. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, look, it's still cool to kind of see these younger coaches kind of getting their shot in the NFL, and something's gonna give. But like I said, now we see it in the NFC, or as we move into the NFC now, three of the four coaches are all within their 40s, and Tom Brady's older than all of them. So. Um, save for his own coach and Bruce Arians. Um, so let's move on to the NFC divisional round. Uh, Dylan, we got your uh, your LA Rams that we're already we're all riding with uh, with you here. Um, Aaron Donald, okay. baby, Go. It's, for a guy who had stop hate on the back of his helmet. This kid was this guy was absolutely violent on the field all night Monday. Let's go. Which is how Dylan's screaming at the TV. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, it's hilarious. Like I said, like you guys see what he has written on the back of his helmet? Like he Yeah, but, uh, yeah it's not like, when it comes to the field in yeah, competition. All that violence, man. It's not it. it's all up. Yeah. It's just tough love. That's what yeah, there's so. one person you definitely don't want to get caught with uh on his bad side is Aaron Donald. Yeah. That guy yeah. is an absolute machine. Um all right, all right, Dylan. Yeah. Uh, break it down here. You know how we feel about your Rams. We're rolling with you here. Let's get it going. You know what the prediction is already, but uh, <laughs> we're going to be as a possible here. We're going to break it down. We have the Bucks here opening up a minus three favorites uh, versus the Rams. Makes sense. The Bucks are the uh, content, you know, the Super Bowl champions, um, and they're playing a tough team in the Rams here. Uh, Sunday, three p.m. Eastern. Game totals at forty-eight and a half. The line open at minus three, so no line movement here. Um, the Rams are taking approximately 60% of the public bets, but the Bucks are taking approximately 65% of the money. So pretty even split on the uh, the public bets and money too. Not a huge disparity. A um, couple of key head-to-head matchups to, to account for here. The Rams did play the Bucks in week three of this season, and they won 34 to 24. Uh, the Rams were underdogs in week three, and they won... Uh, you know, by a 10-point margin. They played last year again as well once. The Rams were underdogs in that spot. And who won? The Los Angeles Rams. In my opinion, the Rams are the worst matchup for the Bucs here amongst the eight teams that are remaining. The Bucs, I think, are the worst matchup for the Packers. And I think the Packers are the worst matchup for the Rams. I could get into why, but I really think the Rams are in a great spot here to pull the upset here. I'll give you some of the reasons here. So, first off, Chris Godwin and, uh, as we all know, Antonio Brown uh, are out on offense. So, their offense is pretty straightforward for the Bucs. It's use Mike Evans, Gronk, and whoever's running, which should primarily be playoff Lenny. Playoff Lenny should be back. Playoff Lenny. So, <laughs> Yo, they call him Lombardi Lenny, man. This is real. I thought Dylan knew him for a second with that, with that nickname. Lomb- no. Uh, it's, it's a no nickname. So it's a very straightforward offense here. Now, when it comes to Gronk, the LA Rams do an excellent job against uh, covering tight ends. Um, 
Mike Evans is a good red zone threat, and they're, they're going to play playoff lenny. On the other side of things, you have Cam Akers who returned off of, um, you know, a potentially season-ending injury or career-ending injury that could have taken a couple of years. He came back and he had a phenomenal game last week. You know, the, the Rams stuck to how they should be playing. You're a run-first team that uses the pass on a secondary basis. And that's what's worked for them throughout, you know, back in the Todd Gurley days. And that's what they deployed here with a little bit of help from Sony Michelle. So Cam Akers was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they broke the game wide open. Um, and, you know, OBJ came out. Playoff OBJ. Through a out. nice little 40-yard dime. Cooper <laughs> A nice little four-yard dime and, uh, you know, got him into the action, got a tidy there. And we got Cooper Cup, who, uh, you know, people say had an off game, seven receptions, 70 yards, one touchdown, an off game. You know, that's good. If he had an off game and we won in that fashion last week, you can just Reg- imagine what's Regular receivers here. wish uh, they had a stat line like that for, like, a regular game. And uh, an off game for yeah. Cooper Cup is seven for, uh, yeah. seven, for seven, 70 yards and seven. a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like. Exactly. So now I, I've only mentioned, you know, the running back situation looks a lot better than what it did during the regular season through a can makers. I mentioned OBJ and Cooper Cup. Let's not forget Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson's a, been a been a stud. This guy is, you know, dangerous. And, you know, Max, I know you've mentioned him a few times in the podcast and uh, you were high on him. But, you know, Van Jefferson is a, is a dangerous wide receiver. And we have Tyler Higby on tight end who had a great game last week, uh, you know, Got the job done. So when you look at this Rams offense, quarterback by Matthew Stafford, coached by Sean McVay, beating the Bucks their, their past two games, th- this is a tough matchup for the Bucks. And now l- let's look at some of the injuries for the uh, for uh, the Bucks as well. You know they had a on top of R- Ronald Jones, Rojo, and Godwin being out for the Bucks. Uh, their offensive line. Now this is important. Their offensive line sustained injuries against the Eagles. Tristan Wirth has been a Pro Bowl caliber right tackle in tackle since he arrived. He's an absolute stud. He's a key piece of the Buccaneers offense. He's been up. Center Ryan Jensen went down on the next drive in that Eagles game, uh, resulting in a touchdown run. So Ryan Jensen and Tristan Wirth on the O-line are huge pieces. Their status is yet unknown. They might suit up, might not be 100%, but that's huge for the Bucs O-line. I want to throw a stat line here just so that I found really interesting. The Bucks have been 0-0 against the spread in their last eight games versus the Rams when the Rams in to win are less than 70%. So 0-8 against the spread when the Rams implied odds to win are less than 70%. The current line for the Rams, uh, for the Bucks to win is minus 150. So the implied odds for the Rams to the applied odds for the Rams to, uh, sorry, the Bucks to win is 60%. So it is, there's a 10% difference. So they've been 0-8 against the spread there. Um, everything here for me is pointing towards the Rams. So my bad recommendation here is I'm going to take the Rams on the money line to win outright at a plus 130 line. That's going to be my play. It's my most confident play of the week uh, for this week. Uh, and I'm going to ride with it. Uh, you know, to, to Let's go, baby. We got the Rams. I'm liking it a lot. And I really do think, you know what, if there's any one team here that could kind of stop Tom Brady, 
it's going to be the Rams. Uh, anyone else after that? I, if, if Tom Brady gets past the Rams, man, I see him getting another ring here. Like, it, there's... Back-to-back Super Bowl rings are very, very, very... very, very um, but he's done NFL, it. So I, I really... He's done, he's done it. But I, I really think it's... Uh, Aaron Donald's going to be... And if it's not Aaron Donald, summer. everyone forgets. You got Vaughn Miller there waiting too, so... Leonard Floyd. <laughs> it's just a stacking. You know, like, they stack their chips all in, and uh, I think this is going to be a big game for them. I think it, if they play the uh, the Packers next week, that's that's when, when it gets interesting. But the Packers have, you know, a team uh, in the 49ers to... Yeah, we're going to break that down next. They got a very interesting history, these two teams as well. So um, let's get into it. Um, We got the second of the two uh, NFC divisional round games. We got the San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy Gucci rolling into Lambeau Field to take on John Wick. John Wick, a.k.a. Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Green Bay Packers. so let's kind of take a look at a bit of the history here. I mean, like, let me get the opening lines first, and then we'll we'll worry about that because there, it's a very interesting uh, history these two teams got together. So the opening lines uh, had opened up at uh, plus four and a half with the 49ers as the underdogs and minus four and a half with the Packers as the rightful favorites. Um, since then, has moved to six and a, uh, to six, a flat six um, for both teams. Um, over under set at 46 and a 47 and a half ori- originally at the open has since uh moved to 46 and a half, and then that's it. So, I mean, like, look, we're looking at some of the money here. I'm just gonna kind of break down the betting side of things and we'll kind of get into their history uh after because it's there's been some interesting matchups with the involving the 49ers and the Packers here, uh, even this year back in week three. So um, everyone's very high on the Packers, and rightfully so. I mean, look, you got mm-hmm. Devontae Adams, um, basically a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers restructured his contract, um, removing a year. And uh, I saw something interesting, speaking of that contract, like he to the point that he really does want out of Green Bay. His contract runs through 2022, but if he stays, uh, there was something. It's the last time Aaron Rodgers said it himself, and Devontae Adam retweeted it uh, or reposted it on Instagram yeah. at the beginning of the season. But the, the thing is, is if that if uh, if yeah. they don't move uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers uh, in the offseason, because the thing is, he is his contract is still good through twenty twenty two, so it only ends after next season. Um, his cap hit on the Green Bay Packers is if forty million dollars, which is like really tough for any team to kind of manage. Like he has it in his contract that if he stays, he's, he's it's a forty forty million dollar cap hit. So Jeez. they're gonna move. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna have to move him. So it, it is technically the last dance here. That's, that's the value. That's the value. Uh, Devontae Adams uh, works at this point. He's an absolute monster. Yeah. So that's why we're in the league. I'm really curious to see what kind of money Devontae Adams kind of gets in free agency um, at the end of this season, depending what happens, but. Uh, let's kind of go down and look at the history here between these two these two teams. Um, it's the second straight year the Packers are in the uh, divisional playoffs. Um, last year, um, also a, a Saturday game, they beat the Los Angeles Rams. Um, they're ten and three all time in playoffs games played on a Saturday, and they're seven and one at home. So, 
it's a tough mountain that the, the San Francisco 49ers have to climb here. We know how good Green Bay is back at home. Uh, Lambeau is a very tough field to play in. Um, these The teams have both met uh, week three this season. Um, they beat the 49ers, but barely. It was uh, took a last-minute field goal uh, for the Packers to kind of come through with a 30-28 to win. And in the postseason, I mean, they've met. It's the sixth time they meet. The last time in 2019, the 49ers did get the best of the Green Bay Packers. Um, so there's a lot going on here for these two teams. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers in general because of what's going on with the rest of the team and his contract and all that. So um, we look at some other interesting stats here. And like we kind of took a look at some st- strength of schedule um, and how they've kind of stacked up against the, their division and their conference. And uh, Green Bay finished 9-3 and three against the NFC, and they had some pretty tough teams to kind of beat. Um, and San Francisco finished 7-5, and five, but we really spoke about how uh, tough the 49ers' schedule was in comparison. And um, the 49ers still do have the uh, higher strength of schedule. Like, their schedule is much strong, uh, much tougher throughout the year than uh, the Green Bay Packers. The key thing here, though, is going to be keeping Aaron Rodgers um, kind of clean uh, because we saw what the 49ers defense was able to do to Dak Prescott and getting to him early. Mm -hmm. Um, They sacked Dak Prescott five times last game. Yeah, they made his Uh, life in hell. They made made the Cowboys team uh, have a very miserable time on that field. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been sacked 30 times this season, still not as high as Joe Burrow and the rest of them, but it's still quite a bit of hits he's taken throughout the year. So it's going to be interesting to see how this line kind of uh, keeps him, keeps Aaron Rodgers upright as well, because uh, if you can kind of keep Aaron Rodgers clean, I mean, the season he's gone 37, he's thrown for 37 touchdowns and only four INTs. So they've kind of kept the pressure off him when they can. And you know what? Uh, they're going to have to get in his face the same way they did Dak and try and make it tough for Aaron Rodgers because uh, he, he warrants that John Wick nickname and that co- that Halloween costume he pulled off this year because uh, he's, a, he's a killer, man. When, when push comes to shove, Aaron Rodgers is a real killer. Um, so... I, 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 Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't even come close in terms of what he's done this season in terms of a quarterback. But the strength of that 49ers team has been the play calling by Kyle Shanahan and their offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. Um, these guys have been absolutely insane with the way they've been using this team. I mean, look, Garoppolo's stats are nothing to be wowed about throughout the season. He's got 20 TDs and 12 INTs. But if they could keep Garoppolo from making mistakes and kind of getting the rest of the team involved, um, the same way we saw what he did with Debo Samuel last week. He ran wild on the ground, not even in the air. Everyone forgets Debo Samuel is a wide receiver, but this guy's been putting up white, like running back one numbers as a wide receiver with the way they've been kind of calling plays. It's going to be really interesting um, to see how Matt LaFleur and the rest of that Green Bay team kind of approaches the play calling that Josh McDaniels and Kyle Shanahan have. Um the 49ers kind of rank seventh in least rushing yards allowed, which is very good. They're very good against stopping the run. So Aaron Jones and uh, AJ Dillon are going to have a very hard time getting it going on the ground. So they're going to. It's going to be very important to see what these guys can do 
considering that the 49ers are really good against the run. Uh, the run. Um, they they rank seventh in passing yards allowed too. So the wide receivers out in Green Bay are going to have a job ahead of them as well. The only thing that they're kind of lacking in is that they're like 12th in passing touchdowns allowed and 22nd in rush, rushing touchdowns allowed. So even at that, it's a it's going to be hard. Um, that 49ers defense, we saw it last week. They're a tough defense to play against, and we've seen it all year. Um, Green Bay, on the other hand, not looking so hot. 11th in rushing yards allowed, so they're pretty like at the bottom there. They're not very good against the run, so it looks good for Debo and for the rest of the running back core out in, in San Fran, which have been excellent in the postseason. Um, they're 7th in rushing TDs allowed, so still... Not impressive, but I think it's going to be a bit of a challenge. 13 in passing yards allowed and 27th in passing touchdowns. They're at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to defending passing touchdowns, the Green Bay Packers. So if there's ever been a time for Jimmy Garoppolo to have a game where he throws for some touchdowns and kind of gets it done through the air and kind of silences the critics about his ability as a throwing quarterback, I think this would be it. And in a very, very big, big spot against the uh, Green Bay Packers. Um, where I'm going with this one in terms of who I'm betting on, I I like the 49ers. They're a very tough team to play against, but man, if they don't get into Aaron Rodgers' face early and often, I really do see the Packers coming away with this one. Um, I'm rolling with uh, with our killer over here. I'm rolling with uh, John Wick. I'm gonna go with uh, the Green Bay Packers. As on the uh, against the spread at minus six, I do think that they could win by a touchdown. Because if they do get ahead, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have the ability to to throw and kind of make the right decisions protecting the ball. So I, I do see the Packers winning by more than a touchdown uh, by a touchdown here. Um, so my pick, I'm going Green Bay Packers against the spread, and uh, we're gonna roll with it. Yo, man, that nickname holds for Aaron Rodgers, man, John Wick. The killer, <laughs> the boogie, the the boogie yeah, the man. Uh, yeah, They're the team so to be. I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little uh, hesitant on taking the Packers against. It's the largest spread. I do, I do see the Packers winning, but 49ers always find a way to keep it close, and it kind, kind of has me a little worrisome. But yeah, the Packers can easily uh, take off and win. Give it. And this is the big edge for me. It's a Lambeau field. That's a tough stadium to play in the playoffs. The, the team is owned by this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, literally, the city shuts down. The city shuts down. If you look at the population, everyone's at the Green game. Bay, they're either or the at bars where they're watching the game. The whole city is shut down. The 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 actual uh, people that live there clean up the snow during the week. So like this is everything to them, you know. And playing at Lambeau Field in that weather, uh, 49ers coming from uh, weather. You know, yes, fucking weather. San Francisco, it's, it's going to be. Uh, I can see them winning against. Yeah, the I'm going to take them against the spread. Like we've seen their record against the spread this season too. They've been very good, um, and especially at home. So I'm really, really rocking. I'm rocking with Aaron Rodgers here. I mean, look. We've seen upsets happen before, but if there's uh, ever been a team that I think that could kind of get it going, and especially considering that they do want to get that one more ring before they kind of run off and decide on to new adventures, um, I think they get it done here. I know uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to want to do it for the city to kind of 
lessen that disappointment of him taking off and maybe Devontae Adams as well uh, taking off in the uh, postseason. So, uh, yeah, Packers minus six, baby. Let's get it going. Let's get it. I'll get myself one of those foam cheesehead hats if they win, you know? <laughs> we'll do that. Next week, we'll film with uh, Dylan wearing the Rams jersey, and I'll wear a cheesehead hat. Uh, yeah, you could you could support Chris there with his futures bet for next year. No, I'll take it. Honestly, I'll wear the Falcons jersey. I'll wear it proud to put my Ryan on the back. Get Michael Vick instead, man. Get a vintage Falcons jersey with Mike Vick on the back or a Julio Jones Falcons jersey. Yeah, that is vintage. Um, all right, so the, those are the matchups for this weekend. Uh, we move into prop me up now. Let's get into the player props. Our record's been pretty solid. Nick's gonna eventually redeem himself. Hopefully, we'll see what his player props have got. Well, that let, let me let me start off the player prop. With okay, the so let's start with the NBA. The NBA Oracle's got a got a chip on his shoulder after last week. So let's start his redemption run now. Nick, hit uh, us with the, your NBA player props. Uh, it's only one player prop. Going back to a singular, singular one just to, to catch it. And I, I kind of brought up earlier, Joel Embiid over 29 and a half points, over 28 and a half points. His player props from the bookmakers range around 28 and a half to 30 and a half points. So the reason why I'm going with that is because I be, if you look at his last 10 games, maybe 12 games, he's like he's over for 12, lost two. So he's 12 and two. Uh, he's been absolutely killing it. I like Ben Simmons is, is not on the court. So all the ball, all the distribution of the ball, all the scoring is going through Joel Embiid. He's all over the court. He's playing at MVP level caliber. And he's just showing to the rest of the NBA that he can carry the 76ers. Now, if we look in terms of actual statistics, Joel Embiid is playing a minimum of 30 minutes a game. But at the same time, he's, he's put up 31 points on average. That means every minute he's on the court, he's putting up at least a point, which is absolutely incredible. And the coach has so much trust in him that he's letting him take the shots from wherever. As soon as he gets in the paint, the coach allows him to shoot. He's shooting. He has a minimum of 20 shot attempts per game. And because he's a center and he's dominant, um, he just he could do what he pretty much wants in the NBA. So, like, when teams play against a hot Joel Embiid, they're pretty much like, okay, let's try and outscore him because we can't contain him. And that's just a pure example of him going off against the Magic tonight. 27 minutes, put up 50 points as a center against the Orlando Magic. I get it. The Magic is shit, but it's Joel and B we're talking about. So ride ride this man for the next seven days. Um, that's all I got for you guys. I like it a lot. Uh, we're going to roll with uh, Joel Embiid. Um, let's see if you could get yourself a, a dub in this uh, in the in the, the win column for you after last week. <laughs> uh, Dylan, um, you got uh, Joe Mixon again. I see. No, Joe Burrow. No. My bad. Sorry. Uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'll have two quick player props here. One is going to be Joe Burrow over 24 pass completions. Um, 24 caught my eye, seemed very low, and he's well exceeding that. He's well exceeded 24 pass completions multiple times this season, including last week. Uh, and especially given that the Bengals are playing a tight, the Titans, who have a very, very strong rush defense. Hence why I don't believe Joe Mixon is going to be used a lot. The Titans' rush defense is ranked second in the league. So, with that being said, Joe Burrow is going to be forced to throw the ball here. And it's not a bad thing because he has weapons 
three solid weapons to throw in. So I really have Joe Burrow getting over 24 pass completions as my first player prop. And my second one, you know, don't fix what's not broken. And we had Tyreek Hill anytime TV last week. We're going to roll with it again. When it comes to the playoffs, the, the teams are going to use their best players. You know, they're not your Stephon Diggs or Tyreek Hills. And I really see Tyreek Hill getting another catch in the end zone here. Um, he's an absolute stud. This guy's a beast. And, uh, you know, it's plus money. That's the beauty. Plus 110. You get value on Tyreek Hill scoring a touchdown. So those are my two player props for uh, the Let's get it. Um, so I got my two player props. I mean, they're not as fancy as my last one from last week with Debo Samuel. Um, that was a little wild and, uh, man, I wish we could do live reactions one day. Cause if you guys would have seen the way I got fucking pumped when he hit that 26 yard run to the, to the end zone for that rushing touchdown, what a feeling. So I'm going to roll with, uh, with Dylan's boy here under center, Matt Stafford over one and a half touchdowns. Um, You're going against Tom Brady and the Bucks here. You know these guys can put up points. So That's a clean Staff- I like I like Matt Stafford. I think he's good for two touchdowns in this game. Um so you know, we saw him last week. He was playing fantastic. I mean, the if the defense can keep up the same performance and he could feel he doesn't have to feel pressure to force balls downfield where they shouldn't be. I see him getting two touchdowns. And you know what? Look, man, the guy made big, some big boy plays. You saw him QB sneak it and taking a couple hits to get in a, a touchdown on the ground when they came up just short off a deep bomb pass. Um, I, I think, Matthew, we see a, the true version of Matthew Stafford here in the playoffs. And I really do think he comes out gunning. I think he gets, a, he gets over uh, one and a half passing touchdowns here. And I'm rolling with it. That I'm going to... It's, I know you, I know I love you love that one. That one gets that one makes you happy. You know what? I like it, man. And I really do think I do think Matthew Stafford really really needs to get himself a Super Bowl ring here and it would be great for your your Homer franchise there Dylan as well. So, um and my second one I got Ryan Tannehill with over uh over 0.5 interceptions. First off because yeah, one first off because Fuck the Titans, AFC South rivals, and I never want to see them win a Super Bowl before the Colts win another one. Um, and also, I mean, throughout the season, he hasn't been very good uh, with ball protection. I mean, he's only got 21 touchdowns on the season and 14 interceptions. That ratio is awful. Um, and he, he's not very good with his, his completion percentage isn't very good either. I mean, it's decent, but it's not outstanding. So um, I see Matt St- I see Ryan Tannehill here, and considering it's the Bengals and these guys are playing with no pressure because, like, look, no one expected them to make it this far. They're a very young team. I could see the Bengals' offense uh, defense being an absolute problem for Ryan Tannehill as well. So if they can't get the run going, and Derrick Henry, King Henry himself, is not the the King Henry of the regular season coming off this injury, I see Ryan Tannehill gonna have kind of having to take the game into his own hands. I don't trust Ryan Tannehill to get it done for the Titans. So I see him throwing a pick here or yeah. maybe a pick or two. I, I could very well see him throwing a pick as well. I, lo- I like your player props. I like your Right along with maybe make a I like your player props, man. You know how I feel about Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah, but I, I like wait, yours. Wait, wait. What about mine, though? <laughs> we, we, 
yours is Joel Embiid. Yours man. is the uh, we're fading Joel Embiid this week. After that's last it. week, uh, we're both fading you on this one. But yeah, uh, cook up a parlay with, with the player prop. All for the NFL. I'll, I'll yeah. run a, a, a daily stakes player yeah. prop. I'll, I'll play a parlay off my winnings on that wild uh, Chargers. So you got to uh, we're supposed to do the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get it rolling. I'm gonna put uh, it. This week. I'm gonna roll. Uh, I'm gonna roll all our player props into a parlay here, and I'll do a separate one for our picks uh, that we got going. Nick, just uh, send me which ones you got for the NBA, and we'll roll with those. Um, so it's funny. So Dylan, I like your player props. You like mine. Really, uh, it's gonna be fun this week, guys. So you know where to find us. That's the end of the show. Um, you can find us at Twitter at The Daily Stakes, TikTok, The Daily Stakes, YouTube, The Daily Stakes, and Instagram at The Daily Stakes. Um, hopefully, we come back with uh, a much a much more improved record on the player prop side of things, and uh, we keep the train rolling on the uh, game pick side. Um, I'm your host, Massimo Riccio. That's it for episode 14. You got my co-host, Dylan, Nick. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Happy betting this weekend, guys. Take care. Let's get it.